This morning, uh, we're going to talk about something uh, along the lines of this campaign. Uh, We're going to kind of talk about something that can sometimes either be hyper-focused on or completely overlooked altogether, and that is the physical space. Uh, So we're going to talk about the place. Uh, Imagine the, the immeasurable impact of uh, of, the, of the place, of the physical spaces, and, and why that matters. Now, uh, I say that the space can be either hyper-focused on or completely overlooked. We either get really, really focused on what does it look like, what does it feel like, and we forget the purpose and the function that it's supposed to, to have, or we get so focused on the function and what we want to do in the space that we don't uh, take time to really design it well and figure out how we should communicate through the physical environment. Uh, my wife and I do really well at balancing this in our home uh, because I'm the function guy. I'm going to think through this is what it needs to do, this is what it needs to accomplish. No, we're not putting that in the garage because the garage is for cars to park in right? Those kinds of things. And my wife, on the other hand, is so amazing and such a great partner for me because she cares nothing about the function of most of our spaces. Her concern is, how does it look? How does it make me feel? What does it make me want to do when I come into that space? And so we create a balance in that way because we look at both of those elements. But it matters. The physical space matters. And what we do in the physical space matters. And you know this. You know this because every space that you walk into communicates something. Think about your favorite restaurant. What do you experience when you walk in those doors? What do you, what do you expect to see? What do you expect to hear? What do you expect uh, to be going on in front of you? You know, my favorite uh, places to eat are sushi restaurants. It's my favorite food. Absolutely. I love, love sushi. And I will tell you that if I walk into a place that has sushi on the menu, but there's not an actual sushi bar, I start to get a little concerned. Right? Because that's a dangerous game to play. <clears throat> but the physical space communicates different things to me. It sets the stage for what's about to happen. And that happens in our homes. It happens in restaurants. It happens in uh, stores. It happens in every physical space that you walk into, including the church. It communicates things when you walk into that space, and it matters what we communicate. And so this morning, I want to look at what what, did it, what are the things that the physical space communicates? I think there's three things uh, that really come out uh, when we look at any physical space, not just the church. So what are those three things? And then what should we uh, be communicating with this project as we look to uh, create new space for our next-gen ministries, for our students and, and kids to worship and encounter God? What are the things that we should be focusing on and communicating with those physical spaces? And so the first thing that we'll take a look at here uh, is that the physical space communicates values. It communicates what's important to you, what matters to you, what's the most important thing. I'll give you an example from from my home. Um, For the last 13 years, uh, my family has lived in a a small home just around the corner from the church here, uh, just up the road, and uh, we've been so blessed to be there. It's been a great location for us, but it's not a large home, Uh, and so we're we're very blessed to be able to to move out of that home uh, here at the end of this week, and we're excited for what God is doing in that new season, but if you were to walk into the house that we're moving from uh, about six months ago, we've started staging now, but if you walked into that house six months ago, you would have found a very cluttered and, and very full living room. And here's why. It's not a large space. We had a small TV in that space, really because it was the only place for it. But what you would have found in that living room is a lot of seating, uh, probably too much seating. It really, almost the entire room was nothing but chairs and couches with a large love seat, a large couch, and a large uh, recliner over there. And, and you might ask, why was that? Well, we, because we have a large family. There are six of us plus the dog in our family. 
hey, when it's that small, the dog counts. I'm just saying. Like every inch matters. All right? But why would we cram all that furniture into that space? Because we have a value that is important to our family, and that is being together. We wanted to spend time in the same space, to spend time in the same room, to be able to be with one another consistently, continuously, to make sure that in our family, everybody, including the dog, had a place to be, had a seat in the space. And so that value was communicated even in that small space. In the house that we're moving to, uh, we had really our, our primary criteria in the houses that we were looking at is that they had an open floor plan because we wanted to be able to be in the same space with our kids and Michelle and I in the same space together when we're on the main floor, whether we're doing homework or making dinner or doing the dishes or sitting and watching TV or whatever we're doing, we wanted to be in the same space. And so we found a home that had an open plan because that is a value to us. And the physical space reflects that value. This isn't a new concept for us uh, in this day and age. This, this goes back as old as time itself. In fact, God understood this, and God uh, used the physical space to communicate value, even in the Old Testament. And, and we see this in the book of Exodus, uh, and you can read this when you have some time. The, the book of Exodus, chapter 25 through 27, really describes God's uh, directions for building something called the tabernacle where God was going to create a new place uh, of dwelling among his people while they were still kind of mobile, wandering in the wilderness. And, and they called that place the tabernacle. And God gave very specific instructions because there was a value at stake that God didn't want them to miss. And so I'm just going to read one verse from that section. It's verse 8 because it illustrates the value of that physical space. And it's this. God said, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. So that God could be with them. The value is that they would be with God, that they would be present with God, that God would be with them, that he would be amongst them in their midst. And that value was communicated in a lot of different ways, but also communicated through the physical space that was created in the tabernacle because the physical space communicates values. The physical space communicates other things as well. It communicates purpose. The physical space communicates purpose. I'll, I'll use this room as an example. Uh, when you walked into this room today, it became clear to you uh, some of the purposes of this room. For example, even if this was your first time, you walked in and you saw rows of chairs all pointing in the same direction. You probably saw the sound booth, probably noticed the screen behind me, the lighting, and, and now you're experiencing the sound that's coming out of these speakers, which you see on the front of the stage. You saw all the different musical equipment back here, all of those things communicated to you a purpose, that this space has a specific purpose, that the purpose of this space is a place where people gather together and pay attention to what's happening up here. I mean, just, just on the surface, that's what this room communicates, to look this way. Imagine if you had come in and there were no chairs in this room. The purpose isn't as clear, Right? But the physical space communicates the purpose. And, and again, uh, we look at the tabernacle, and we can look at that as an example of how the physical space communicated purpose. And if you get a chance to go back and read this in, in Exodus or, or even do like a Google search and find a walkthrough, they've made models of it now. They've made uh, replicas of the temple that you can actually take a video tour of. It's pretty cool uh, to walk through it, but you'll see the purpose of the space as you read through it. And what you find is that the tabernacle created, uh, communicated a purpose as well. See, as they would come into the space, there was a large altar for sacrifice. 
Because the sacrifice had to be made in order to approach God. Because prior to Jesus, prior to Jesus taking sin on the cross, and prior to Jesus making a way for us to connect with God, a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, had to be made in order to come into the presence of God. And so the first thing that you would see was that altar and so that the sacrifice could be made. And then there was a washing basin so that the priests could clean themselves ceremonially uh, to be able to walk into that presence. And then there was a, a divider that divided the holy place from the rest of the tabernacle so that they would move into that place where God was and get closer and closer to God. And the purpose of the tabernacle was to allow God's people to approach God. And you see the purpose in the physical spaces. The physical space communicates purpose. It's one other thing that I think the physical space communicates every time, all the time, no matter what the physical space is, no matter what it is, house, restaurant, church, whatever the building is, it communicates this one last thing, and that's expectations. The physical space communicates expectations. Again, we look to this room. When you walked into this room, you kind of knew what was expected of you. Even if you've never been here before, you had an idea of what would be expected of you and what you could expect. Again, The chairs facing this direction, you can expect that someone's going to come up on the stage. It would completely shock you if I started preaching from the back of the room. Because we set the expectation that something important is going to happen up here. That you should pay attention to what's happening up here. That there's going to be something important for you to pay attention to. Right? We set that expectation. Now there's a few other expectations in this room that you may not have noticed. This morning we had a baptism. We built, we're one of the few churches that still put a permanent baptistry on our stage. It sits right over there. You guys saw it used this morning. Do you know why? Because we have an expectation that when people come into this place, they're going to encounter God, they're going to surrender their lives to God, and they are going to be obedient to him by being baptized and and, uh, being saved in his name. And part of that is surrendering to what God has commanded us to do by being baptized, and then we come back to new life symbolically through that process. So we put a baptistry right there because we expect people to get baptized on a regular basis. Not, Not once a year, not a couple times a year, but on a regular basis we expect people to get baptized, to surrender their lives. There are stairs that go up to the baptistry communicating an expectation that people will be able to come to that place and get baptized. There's another thing we've communicated with expectations in this space. Have you noticed how wide this aisle is and how wide some of the other aisles are? We've made them wide for a reason. We could fit more chairs in here if we wanted to. We could fit more chairs along the front on either side here, a few more, pack a few more people in here. But we have an expectation But in a moment in our service that God is going to speak to you, that he's going to call you to do something, he's going to call you to respond, and you're going to have the opportunity to come into the aisles, to come forward, to possibly meet with a prayer partner, or come forward just to the the altar here and surrender to God. We've created the space with expectations that God is going to move and that you're going to be able to respond to him. The physical space communicates expectations. Physical space in the tabernacle communicated expectations as well. You, you may not know this, but before the tabernacle existed, there was something called the tent of meeting. And this is where Moses would go to meet with God. It was outside the camp, kind of set apart. And so Moses would go out into that space and God would come down in the uh, pillar of cloud and he would meet with him at the doorway of that tent and they would speak and then Moses would take that message back to the people. But when they built the tabernacle, they did something different. They didn't put it on the outskirts of the camp. 
They put it right in the middle of the camp. It was the biggest structure in the entire camp. You could see it from anywhere inside of the camp. And, and everybody knew that it was there all the time. Why? Because there was an expectation that God was going to meet them there, that God was going to dwell among them, that God was going to be present with them. And so the physical space communicated that expectation. And so the question for us is this. What values, what purposes, what expectations do we want the spaces that we're renovating, those spaces in our next-gen areas, what should they communicate? This is the question for us. Now, I've been in church a long time. As long as I can remember, in fact. My parents took me to church. I went to church on my own uh, through high school and college. When we moved here, uh, we had about a year where we didn't go to church, and then we were back in church, uh, and now I work at a church. I spend a lot of time in church and around church. I could probably, on my own, come up with a pretty good list of things that we should do in those spaces because this is a church. But here's the thing. Nobody wants Sam's church. We all want God's church. Amen? And so we look to God's word to say what matters to God, what's important to God, what things should we be expecting, what things should we be communicating, what purposes, what values. And so we look at the earliest gathering of the church after Jesus had died and was resurrected after the day of Pentecost when the apostles began seeing people saved day after day after day. What did the church look like in that moment? What was important to them? What were those things? And so when we look at the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 42, we find the answer and it says this, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we find a few things through here uh, that were critical, that were important to this first church. A few values, a few purposes that we want to communicate in our next-gen spaces. The first one is this teaching. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. The teaching matters. The word of God matters. Hearing what God has to say, hearing what God wants to do, understanding the text, those things matter. Teaching is a critical piece of everything that we do in this church because nobody wants to run their lives the way Sam says or the way Darren says or the way Matt says or the way any of our staff say or the way any of you say. We all want our lives to be oriented on one thing and that is the way that God says our lives should be oriented. And so the teaching matters. Because we care about what God has to say, what God wants to show us, what God wants to do in us. And so the teaching matters. The next thing we find that matters is fellowship. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Now, like I said, I, I grew up in church. I've been in church, uh, around church a long time. And for those of you who grew up in church, when I say the word fellowship, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I heard a few. Oh, oh I heard it back there somewhere. Potluck right? Potluck. Those of us who grew up in church, we grew up with church potlucks, and it was a fellowship potluck. It was a time to go just hang out together. In fact, through the history of the church, when you find the word fellowship, you will almost always find the word food somewhere next to it, uh, at least in our modern version of church. But I want to challenge that definition a little bit. Because when I looked up the word fellowship, it doesn't say food 
or gathering uh, you know, for fun, for friendship, anywhere in that. What it says when it describes fellowship is this. A group of people who are set on a specific purpose, a mission. So, so maybe when we think fellowship, we should think less church potluck and more fellowship of the ring. No, I'm serious. Because in J.R. Tolkien's novel and in the movies that have come out, what we find is a band of people tied together, tightly bound together to go after a critical mission, a no-fail mission, a thing that absolutely has to succeed. And is there anywhere in our world that it is more critical that we succeed than in the church? That we communicate to our kids and students, to the adults that gather here, what really matters, how it looks like to live God's will, to, to step into that, to live the way that God has asked us to do, to be on the course of saying yes to God. Is there anything more important? And so fellowship matters. And for us in the next-gen spaces, it looks like small groups. It's why we do small groups in every single environment Because our kids and our students and our adults need that band of people who will walk with them for a season to go after that purpose, that thing that matters. And so fellowship matters. The next thing we find that matters is is the word togetherness. It says that all who believed were together. It says it a couple times, in fact. Togetherness matters. Now, now I say the word togetherness, one of the things that I get pushback on sometimes is, well, if we're supposed to be together, if the church is the, the group of God's people gathered in one place, then shouldn't our kids and students be in this room with us, hearing the teaching with us, worshiping with us? And I will say that I love having kids and students in this room. I absolutely would invite them in uh, on any Sunday. It's great for them to be in this space. But I also know this that we just saw that we were devoted to teaching and that teaching matters. And I know this, it is really, really difficult to present God's word in a way that is effective for a two-year-old and someone who's 102. It is really, really difficult to help them see how that truth applies to their lives when there's that much of an age and maturity and intellectual gap And so what we have done is we've created a place for our kids to be together over there where they can hear the truth of God's word in a way that applies to their lives where they are today, in a way that's appropriate for the age group that they're in, in a way that's appropriate for their intellectual level, appropriate for their maturity, and that goes after the things that they are facing right now today in their world. And we do the same thing in here, speaking to these adults in ways that it meets their life where they are now, the things that they're facing now the truth that they need to hear now. And so, yes, we should gather together. But togetherness in this context looks like our kids being together over there and our adults being together over here. And here's where togetherness, I think, really, really, really matters. When they found all the believers together, here's what happens. When there's a place for everyone, there's a place for me. And there's a place for you. When there's room for us all to be together, it means I'm included in the togetherness. It means that I get to find a place in that group. It means that I'm not on the outside. It means that I'm not excluded. It means that I get to come in and experience what you're experiencing. And you get to experience what I'm experiencing. And so togetherness matters both for us and for our kids and students. The next thing we find is sacrifice. 
They sold their possessions and belongings, distributed the proceeds to all who had need. They sacrificed to take care of one another. They sacrificed to meet the needs of one another. They sacrificed. And we are asking you to sacrifice for that space, to sacrifice for our kids and students. We're asking you to make a sacrifice so that we can create that space because we know that the physical space matters, that the physical space needs to communicate these things. And here's what can happen. If we create an amazing space for them, even though it's expensive, even though it costs a lot of money, here's what it says. It says, you were worth it. You, sixth grader, were worth me giving up that Starbucks for the next 12 months so that I could contribute to the space that you're going to get. You, 11th grader, were worth me selling this gold that I couldn't even wear anymore anyway so that I could contribute to that space. You, elementary-aged child, were worth me finding it in my budget to make it happen for you because you were worth it because you matter. So sacrifice matters. The next thing we find is joy. That they met with glad and generous hearts. They were glad to be with one another. That they had joy in their hearts. Joy matters. And as adults, we know that there's a difference between joy and happiness. We know there's a difference between joy and pleasure. We know there's a difference between joy and fun. But try explaining that to a two-year-old or a three-year-old or an eight-year-old. becomes more difficult the older that those kids get. I'm sorry, the younger that those kids get, it's more difficult to understand that joy is separate from happiness. And quite honestly, kids cannot process the concept of what joy could be in their lives until they've experienced some sort of enjoyment. And so it's critical that we create places that have enjoyment, that are fun, that our kids want to be in so they can taste that joy when they're here so that in a season when that fun is gone, when that pleasure is gone, they still know the joy that exists. Joy matters and fun matters. And the last thing we find in this text is worship. Worship matters. That all came upon every soul and they were praising God But it matters that we come into the throne room. It matters that we come into his presence. It matters that we experience him in this way. It matters that we pour out our praise and worship to him. It matters that we do that. Those things are important, that our kids get the opportunity to experience God's presence. And and I'll tell you, you might think that does worship really matter for an elementary kid? Does worship really matter for a first grader or a second grader? I mean, can they really get it? And I would challenge you, go volunteer in that space and you will find first graders who worship better than most of the adults in this room. You'll find kids who know how to be in the presence of God, who know how to give them the glory, who know how to be completely immersed in his presence. Kids get it and they need to worship just like we need to worship. Worship matters. So here's the thing. When we get it right, when we get the physical space right, and it communicates these values, and it communicates these purposes, and it communicates these expectations, it sets the stage for what God wants to do. It creates the expectation that God is going to move, that he's going to do something incredible, that he's going to take a life and change it. And I know because it happened to me. When I was in sixth grade, the church that my family went to purchased a building right next door to the church. And they immediately turned it over to the youth group. And it was the youth building. 
And inside of that building, there were spaces for worship. There were spaces for great teaching. And I can remember sitting in that space and hearing uh, Gary Ehrenhold and Brian Pantle and Frank Scardina. I can remember hearing these pastors get up and talk about God's love in a way that I'd never heard before, in a way that I'd never experienced before, and talk about his grace and talk about he had a plan for me. And I believed it in a way that I never believed it before. It wasn't just because of the space, but the space mattered. It set the stage. And as I began to attend there regularly, as I was there every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning, it was a place I wanted to be. It was full of fun. It was full of fellowship. People who really cared about me, people who really wanted me to see, wanted to see me live my life the way God wanted me to live my life. And they were invested in me. And that place shaped who I became. Not just me. Out of that group that moved into that building, three of us became pastors. Another three people went from Wichita, Kansas to Denver, Colorado to plant Denver Community Church, a church that is still growing 10 years later. It set the expectation that God could and that God would and that God had a purpose and a plan and we believed it because the space communicated. The physical space matters. So I'm asking you, would you commit to creating a place where our kids and students will know without a doubt how much they matter, how much they matter to God, how much God wants to do in their lives, how he wants to transform them, what he wants to give them, the way, the experiences that he has for them. Will you commit to doing it with us? And this morning, I'm gonna ask you to do something else. Not just to consider it, not just to be praying about it, not just to give to the campaign. You should do all of those things in the days to come. But today, this morning, we're going to dedicate our efforts and dedicate that space to this purpose. In the Old Testament, when the tabernacle was complete, they went in, they consecrated it. They anointed all the spaces, all the furnishings, and they consecrated the thing, this place, this place where God was going to dwell. And after they had consecrated it, the Spirit of the Lord came and filled the place in a new way. Bigger than he'd ever filled the place when it was in the tent of meeting. Bigger than they had ever experienced before. God came in a bigger way, in a new way, because they were dedicated to creating a place where God would show up. And I'm asking you, are you dedicated to creating a place where God will show up and do incredible things? in the lives of our kids and students.